And so today we're looking at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. The focus here is evangelism. There's a famous statement here many people have quoted and many people talk and discuss and that Paul says, I will be all things to all people that I may reach some. And so we're going to look at that. But evangelism is so important. Evangelism is the key. Uh, we talk about here on a regular basis, we want to be disciples who make disciples of all generations. Well, to be a disciple, you have to come to Christ. You have to receive the gospel. You have to confess and believe Jesus, uh, that, he, that he was dead according to the scriptures and that God rose him from the dead. And you believe that and you put your faith and trust in that. And that leads you to a place of, of newness of life, that you're born again, born twice, so you can be a disciple of Christ. And I'm telling you, one of the most exciting things you can do in life is share your faith. Talk to anyone that's ever shared their faith. First of all, it's the most scary thing to do before you do it. And then after you do it, it's one of the most life-giving things that you can do. Um, I remember when I was in high school, I went to a camp in New York City, and our job was to go up to people and share the gospel, and it was pretty intimidating. But as intimidating as that was, we were also given the task to think of our best friend back home that didn't know Jesus as their Savior, and to write them a letter. And I'm telling you, that was even harder than going up to a stranger because this was my friend who watched me. He knew me. He knew my, my faults. He knew who I, who I am. And I can remember writing that letter and giving him that letter. And we sat down and we talked about it. And that was the most tense uh, leading up to that. I had to be, I had to like, you know, get myself riled up to do that. And then we had this conversation. It's like, I really like the idea of heaven, Mike. Really, I like the idea that Jesus loves me. Uh, but the truth is, I don't want anyone controlling my life but me. And he rejected the gospel because he had made the decision that it was more important that he be in charge than to submit uh, his, the lordship over to Christ. And that breaks my heart to this day. But I can tell you, I can now walk in peace that I shared that with him. I can now know that it wasn't my responsibility to save him. It was my responsibility to share with him. And I continue to pray for him that he would come to know Christ as his savior. But this morning, if you've never experienced the joy of sharing your faith, um, you're missing out. God wants to do a great work with us. And if you don't know Christ, I'm glad today I get to share the gospel with you. If you do know Christ, this is what we're to be doing. This is what our call is. Our call is to be fishers of men, uh, to see the world as in a, a place of eternal beings uh, that need to know Christ. Uh, the only way they're going to have an eternity with heaven, in heaven with the Lord is if they confess and believe and receive Jesus as their Savior. And when we were in Brazil, this was one of our intentional uh, activities. Every day we went out as an evangelism team. We went house to house. Uh, we went in and met people, had amazing experiences, met a young man. The only reason he was home is because he had been stung by a, a stingray, and he was there to hear the gospel, and the Holy Spirit was so strong and so powerful. And that young man uh, prayed to receive Christ, and we connected him in there. But you know what? I walk away from that, and I think, man, what an opportunity. What a blessing God has given us to do that. One of the opportunities uh, was for my daughter to share with a group of young people and to go through the gospel with them. What an awesome opportunity as a father to watch your daughter share the gospel. Then my son came with me and we went on a boat to a house on the Amazon uh, on stilts, got into the house. It's like it, you have to be almost like a ninja warrior to get into these houses. And you get in the house and you have a conversation. And, and the truth is nobody cares what you know until they know how much you care. You can't go there thinking, I'm going to mark this person off my list, or this is a notch in my belt. You genuinely go in there saying, what a privilege it is to me to love this person, to share good news with them, 
to let them know that the, the God of the universe has shown and revealed his gospel to the world. He came and died for us, and that that message came uh, into my life, and he's called me to share that with others. And so he took a group of us from here in Florida and said, I want you to go to Brazil, and I want you to go to this uh, really remote place, and I want you to go to this woman's house, and, and I want you to get to know her and show you that show her that you love her. We're here with medicine. We're here with, with things to help you because we care about you. You're important, and God has not forgotten you. And people need to hear that. You know, there's so many people here in Daytona, so many people in Volusia County, think, they think God has forgotten them. God has turned his back on them. No, God is not the one who turns his back on us. We turn our back on God. That's the reality of it. He's waiting at any moment for us to turn to him and to claim him as our king and as our Lord. Well, as we talked and, and she shared with me, she was concerned for her children. Drugs had made their way. Believe me, drugs, uh, those who sell drugs, if, if you think of that as evangelism, they've made the whole world. Drugs have made their way into every community everywhere, destroying families, destroying lives. They don't bring life, they bring death. And they found their way everywhere. And so we need to be as committed and as, uh, as motivated to go as far as the drug dealers are willing to go. Amen? And so at the point of the conversation, I, I asked the Lord, when, what do you want me to say? How, how is this going? And I try to listen and in tune with the Spirit. And there's a question that helps me to gauge where this person is spiritually. And the question is pretty easy. What do you think happens to you when you die? Because the reality is there's no real answer within the world to that question. That's a question that you can only answer affirmatively if you know Jesus as your Savior. Because in John it says, I have written you these things that you may know that you have eternal life. Not that you hope you have eternal life, not that you wish you have eternal life, that you know you have eternal life. And so we're given this truth that we may know we have eternal life. And so if someone has confessed Jesus as Lord and believed that God has raised him from the dead, uh, then within them the Holy Spirit will declare that they have a knowledge of eternal life. They have a knowledge that they are saved and set free from sin and death. And so to ask that question, it reveals, it brings to the surface where that person is. And, and what you hear almost nine out of ten times is, if there is a heaven, I hope I'm good enough to get in it. And maybe you've heard that, and maybe you've thought that. And the reality is, that's the majority of people that we live around today. Uh, that's the challenge we have, is sharing that this is a gift that was, that was established on the cross that is to be given freely for whomsoever believes shall be saved. And so one of the things we would do to make it maybe a little bit more clear is we had the Evangicube. And I don't know if you've seen the Evangicube, uh, but this is the Evangicube, and this is what we used when we were in Brazil. And we would go through it, and we would say that all of us were created by God on purpose. Your parents may have made a mistake, but God didn't, right? God doesn't make mistakes. You hear, you live on purpose. And that uh, back in Genesis chapter 3, we're told through God's word that we are separated from God by sin. That sin has separated us. That a holy and perfect God cannot have unholy imperfection around him. We call it sin. It's rebellion. And so because of that, God loved us so much that he came to the world. And that as a human being, he never sinned. He was, a sin he was the only sinless person. And that men like me and women like you had taken him to the cross and said, you are to be crucified. Now, he didn't have to go to the cross. He chose to go to the cross. And on the cross, spiritually, he took all of our sin, and he paid for it. And he was dead for three days, and they put him in a tomb, and they put Roman soldiers around that tomb, and they put the, the Roman seal on that tomb so that no one would steal his body, that there couldn't be any forgeries or fakes here. And yet on the third day, 
Something happened that changed all of time, all of history. That's why we live in the year 2023, because Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by him, by me. And that radically changed the entire course of human history. To today, he is the measurement of all time. And so we see here on that third day, he revealed himself to more than 400 people. He said, look, I'm alive. And as before he left to go be in the Father's throne room and seated on his right hand, he said to his closest disciples, go into the whole world and tell them the message that they can be saved. That if they are willing to do this, I have done the work, now they can receive the benefit. And so every single human being has a choice. Every single human being has a choice. They can put their faith in one of two things. You can put your faith in yourself and believe that you're good enough and hopefully you've done enough good things. Or, or maybe you put your faith in yourself that you're an atheist and you believe there is no God and there is no heaven or hell. And then you're putting your faith that you're right. But all of us are putting ourselves in that category if we're not putting ourselves in the other category, which is I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. That he died on a cross, that he was dead for three days and he rose from the grave. And because of his raising from the grave, I'm able to have a relationship with God again. I'm able to have an eternal relationship with God. And today, we get to make a decision. If I confess and believe, it says that the Holy Spirit comes into me, and now that I know that I'm saved, I'll have a desire to read God's Word. I'll have a desire to fellowship with other believers, to grow in my strength and knowledge, and to share this message with everyone in the world. The reason I'm here with you today is because this is what's happened for me. Christ has changed me. I'm alive spiritually. I was dead, and now I'm alive. And I want to share that with every person that I can that's willing and able to hear it. I don't like to force the gospel on people. I like to share the gospel with people. And usually they'll let you know whether they want to hear it or not. But if they want to hear it, why not tell them? Amen? And this woman said, I, I've always basically thought a good works was going to save me. And I said, would you like to pray right now and just commit yourself to Christ? It's not a magical prayer. There's no magic in this. It's beyond magic. Magic's not even close to what actually happens. This is a spiritual truth. When you get married, you give someone a ring. The ring represents a lifelong commitment that you are committed to this person. And it's something special and something meaningful. But the ring itself has no power. You don't turn invisible when you put it on. Right? That's just like salvation. You receive Christ as your Savior. Your spiritual destiny is completely flipped. And now you go and you get baptized as a symbol of the fact that you've died with Christ and all your sins have been covered and you raised again that you may walkness and newness of life. And so this is what we shared. This is what this woman made a commitment to. And I have to trust the Holy Spirit led her. I cannot do what only the Holy Spirit can do with this woman in her life. And she is to become a disciple. But one of the most beautiful things for me is my son and I got in the boat and we started to talk about this conversation. And for about the next hour, we talked about what are the roadblocks? Why is the gospel so important? How do we share the gospel with people here in the United States? How do we build these relationships so that we can evangelize our own city and our own town? And that's the challenge this morning. As we look at Corinthians and we look at Paul's life, we see an example that we're to live. And so this morning, as we dive into God's word together, the question I have to ask God to speak to us about what does God want us to know about sharing the gospel? What does God want us to know about sharing the gospel as he taught through the Apostle Paul? Let's precede his word in prayer and ask him to speak to each one of us individually. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day that you've created. Thank you that you love us and you have formed us in our mother's womb. You know more about us than we know about ourselves. And we can trust you with our lives. 
Lord, I pray that as we study your word together, that uh, we would be doers of whatever you say. As we look in this mirror that you've created for us to look in, to look at ourselves and say, who am I in you and what do you have for me? Help us, Lord, at this moment to hear clearly, each one of us, wherever we are in life, that we would hear clearly from you, that you would speak to us and guide us as we follow your way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we build the context for this chapter, uh, I just want to turn quickly to, before we go to 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24 through 27, because Paul tells us what the cost was for him to share the gospel. Paul doesn't hide the fact that uh, this venture or this commitment to sharing the gospel uh, isn't always the easiest path to take. It's not going to be convenient. Uh, it's not going to be easy, but it's always going to be worth it. But he tells us this is what he had to pay. This is what it cost him to share the gospel. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, it says this, Five times I received 40 lashes, minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received the stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night, a night and a day in open sea. On frequent journeys I have faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people. Dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, and dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers. Toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold and without clothing. And so Paul is saying to us, look, I know what it costs. You know, if you find yourself and you say, why does it seem like an uphill battle uh, sharing the gospel with people at, at times, that beginning process. I'm telling you, I, I led a thing called Friday Night Witnessing when I was in college. It was every Friday night we went into Lynchburg and we went around and just went up to people and shared the gospel with them. Every Friday morning I woke up and said, I don't want to do this today. I'm going to lie and say I'm sick. I'm going to come up with an excuse. I just don't want to do this. Every Friday morning without... Uh, Without any deviation, every Friday morning, I would get up and say, I don't want to do Friday. I wasn't even worried about my Friday classes. All I could think about is I've got to go and witness to people, and I don't want to do that because it it's this battle with your flesh. Your flesh does not want to share Jesus. That's like the last thing your flesh wants you to do is go out and share Jesus with a stranger. And so everything within me was coming up with, what excuse can I give not to do this? What excuse can I give not to do this? And maybe you felt that way before. Maybe you felt the Holy Spirit urge you, talk to your co-worker, talk to your kid, talk to your neighbor. That opportunity, that conversation seems to be going in that direction. And you get that kind of tightness in your spirit. You ever felt that before? That tightness that this is going to be uncomfortable. This is, this is going to be a, a challenge. They may not like what I have to say. They may be shocked by what I believe. They may reject me and belittle me and ridicule me and share that with everyone and everyone will hate me, right? And if you've ever shared the gospel or you've gone on a trip to share the gospel, you know what this is. There's a tension that comes because there's a spiritual battle that comes when we share our faith. And so here Paul is saying, look, I recognize this is not an easy uh, task that we're given. This is not something that, that is going to always be the, the most comfortable thing for you to do, but it's the most important thing for us to do. And as we look at the Corinth church, and this is Paul writing to this Corinth church, we recognize that at that time, in that place, the Jews hated Christians. Do you know why the Jews hated the Christians? Because uh, many Jews were becoming Christians, and they were losing followers, and by losing followers, they were losing money and power and influence, and a lot of the leaders 
did not like that. They did not like losing power, and they didn't like losing the money, and they didn't like losing the influence, and so they became uh, this group of enemy number one, where these young, this new thing called Christianity. And so they were uh, attacking the church and trying to make it illegal and, and trying to undermine it and destroy it in that time. The first century was a very difficult time to be a believer, especially in Corinth. The second thing was the Romans hated the church. The Romans hated the church because the Christians stopped buying all the idols, and the idols was major industry in that time. That was a big money maker. That would help the economy grow. Uh, the GDP was moving forward at a fast rate. And then all of a sudden, these Christians come in and they stop, they stop buying and they're encouraging their neighbors to stop buying these idols. And they're like, they're just, you know, it's just wood. It's not real. Like, why do you believe in that? And the Roman emperors were not happy with this problem in their economy that was only there because of these Christians. Also, you know what the Christians were doing? Uh, in that time, in that place in Rome, it was, it was legal if you didn't want your child just to put your child on the side of the road at, at evening and, and someone would either come pick the child up or the child would die. But either way, it was a legal act. And the Christians were going around and picking up these children and starting orphanages and they did not like that. The Romans did not like this thing that the, the Christians were doing. And interestingly enough, you know what another reason why the Romans didn't like Christians? They thought they were cannibals. They thought us Christians were cannibals because they heard in our meetings that we were eating flesh and drinking blood. And that got to the emperor. That, got, that was communicated to them that these people are cannibals. They're eating flesh. They're drinking blood. And so all of the, obviously it's like today, there's miscommunication, misunderstanding, and then that leads to fear and anger and then hostility and then things become illegal and there's all these things that happen. And so the same thing that happened then is happening now. The same culture which they lived in, we kind of live in that culture today. And we need to recognize we can't return evil with evil, but return evil with good. We got to love those that hate. We got to come in with a, a sense of, of patience and kindness and goodness, self-control, long-suffering. Gentleness, those things that the Holy Spirit produces within us. And that's exactly what happened with Paul. You think about all these things that he's going through, all the things the church is going through, and then here's what he writes to them. If you have your, your word there, chapter 9, verse 16. For if I preach the gospel, I have no reason to boast, because I am compelled to preach. For woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. This was so important to Paul. He's like, look, I'm not going to boast to you about me because I am, too, uh, I am too focused on the mission that I have, and that is to preach the gospel. Let me ask you a question. Who does Paul and who does the Holy Spirit give responsibility to share the gospel? Who's responsible? Is it the pastor? Yes, but is it only the pastor? No, guess who it is? All of us. And here's why. Here's why it's so important. He's compelled to do this. And he says, woe to me if I don't do this. That this would be, uh, and maybe we don't feel that way, but we need to feel that way. That woe to me if I don't do this. Uh, because there are people that will never come to church and never listen to me in a million years. They think I'm here for all the wrong reasons and I'm, in, I'm not very smart or whatever. They'll disqualify me and say, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But they'll listen to you. They'll listen to you because they've watched you and they know you and they're friends with you. They have relationships with you and you have a voice in their life. You have a, an influence in their life. 
And that influence wasn't given to you by chance. It wasn't randomness that led you to that influence. It was absolutely on purpose by God that you would be born at this time. You would have these relationships. And he's calling upon you to be faithful in the task of witnessing to those in your life. And woe to me if I don't do this. Woe to me if I have influence over someone that will change their eternity from heaven to hell and I say nothing. Woe to me if I don't care enough about the people in my life that I can go into a difficult conversation in a loving way so they may come to Christ. Now, obviously, I'm not saying this is like, this is not, you know, you're going to hell, let me tell you why, (laughs) right? This is relational. This is, tell me what you think. Let me listen to your perspective. Why do we exist? What's the point of this thing? Where do we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going? These are basic questions that lead to spiritual answers. There are many ways to get to the gospel in a conversation. And really, the more you listen to the Holy Spirit, the more he'll guide that. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. I was a week ago in Walmart, and and I just said, I'm better than I deserve. When she asked me how I was doing, she says, no, you're not better than you deserve. You deserve good. I said, no, I don't. And she says, why do you say that? I said, because I'm a sinner. And my sin separates me from God. And he came and died for me on the cross. So I'm better than I deserve. She wasn't really ready for that. (laughs) But I said, you know what? The world's broken. I see a lot of brokenness. I've been to a lot of places, seen a lot of broken people. She says, I'm one of those broken people. I said, why? She said, my mother was murdered when I was young, and my son died of cancer when he was 35. And I said, well, how do you cope with that? And she says, I cry myself to sleep every night. I'm in line at Walmart, and this conversation has arose. None of us know when these things can happen. But if we're ready, if we're prepared If we look and listen and say, Holy Spirit, I recognize I have a limited amount of time in this life. I have a limited amount of opportunities. When the opportunities come, please hit me in the head and tell me this is an opportunity to share the gospel. Because if we truly believe that we're eternal beings, that we're spiritual beings, that when we die there's a judgment, and that those who do not know Christ will be separated from him in hell, that this is a real thing, it's an actual thing, it'll motivate us, it will challenge us. Because our faith is revealed in our actions, not just our words. And so today, are we compelled to share the gospel? Is that something that compels you? Some of us, and, I, and I'm the first person to say, food compels me to eat, right? My bed compels me to sleep, right? There are things that compel us because they're important to us. We think about them. They motivate us. They challenge us. For many people, money is compelling, right? You want to live indoors. You want to be able to get from point A to point B. Do do any of those things, should any of them be more compelling than the gospel? Right? Should any of those be more compelling? And this is one of those topics it's easier to talk about than to do, right? This is one where we can rally in the church and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you get into that uncomfortable conversation and you feel the spiritual battle occurring. And it can be challenging and we have to be brave. And you know what we need to do is pray for each other. Pray that you would be brave and that I would be brave and that we would have the right words, that we wouldn't push people away from Christ but push them closer to Christ. I want them to climb over me to get to hell and I want to help them get to the cross and get to Christ. That should be our motivation because that's what Paul's motivation was here. Verse 19, it says this, Although I am free from all and not any one slave, I have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. 
Verse 22 and 23 reads this, To the weak I have become weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that I may be by every possible means save some. Now I do this because of the gospel, that I may share in its blessing. This morning, do you sense that you're sharing in the blessing of the gospel? I know when I was 16 years old, I was a very prideful person. I look back at that and I say, wow, Mike, you are not a good kid. (laughs) Because I was the worst kind of Christian, or pretend Christian. I acted like a Christian, but I really wasn't a Christian. I had all the superficial uh, outward appearance of a Christian, but my heart was so prideful, so selfish, so self-centered. I never thought of the things of God. I never prayed. I never read my Bible. I could care less if people were lost. I only looked out for me. And I remember that sense in my life. I remember, even as a teenager, that whole approach to life. And I can remember when I was 16 and I was at this camp and the speaker said, uh, the Holy Spirit wants you to make a decision today. And I can remember World War III happening in my chest. I can remember, uh, what does this mean if I, if I give my life to Christ, if I get serious about this? What does this mean if I really believe in this and, and, and I live this out? And I, and I remember the people around me, I thought, what are they going to think about me? What are they going to think about me? Will I fit in? Will I ever be that cool person I want to be? And this was not some fake battle. This is a real battle that took course in my soul. But I can clearly remember the Holy Spirit of God saying, choose today, Mike. Which path are you going to go? Are you going to live for me or for yourself? Are you going to confess me as your Savior or keep trying to be your own Savior? And I can tell you, thank you, Jesus, that I was able to, to make that decision and give the Lord my life and how that's radically changed everything in my life. But I look at that and say, That speaker was faithful at that moment for the Holy Spirit to to challenge me. What about you? What about your kids, grandkids, neighbors, nieces? Who's the person that's going to share the word that's going to lead them to that decision? Who's going to be the one that opens the door and says, are you going to go through it? Who's going to be that person? I don't know if you've ever seen that there's a movie called Schindler's List, and I was in Israel. I got to see his grave an amazing story. Here's a businessman during World War II, during Nazi occupation. He had established this business. He knew he could get cheap workers if he worked with the Nazis to get these Jewish workers. And so he was uh, paying a very low amount of money to get these, these Jewish workers in his factory. And his factory had this you know, advantage, so they're making a lot of profit. Well, as he gets to know the workers in the factory, he begins to realize they're human beings. They have value. They're, they're meaningful. And he begins to see that in the concentration camps, they're just being put to death. They're just no, there's no humanity. There's no value for them. And as he progresses, he begins to intentionally buy up as many of the Jews as he can. And at this place, he takes a ring off his finger. He says, if I would have just sold this ring, if I would have just sold this ring, I could have got another person. And I just think to myself, at the end of your life, at the end, when it's all like the last minute of your life, are you going to look back and say, I wish I would have bought one more thing? I wish I would have worked one more hour? I wish I would have watched one more show? Are you going to look back and say, I wish I would have shared the gospel with one more person? I wish I would have not been afraid of the conversation with that person. I wish I would have listened when the Holy Spirit nudged me to talk to that person. So we don't have to wait to that moment. 
It's these moments that the Holy Spirit, through his word, he's saying to us right now, don't wait. You can't wait for that person because you don't know how long they have to live. You know how many stories I've heard about people that they, they rejected Christ and then the, the day they receive him, the next day is their last? Because we don't know the days of our life. We don't know the beats of our heart. We don't know the seasons that we have ahead of us. And we, we need to recognize that out of all the choices we have in life as believers, this is the most important, that we would share the gospel. And this is the place where we tend to drift away from because it's difficult, it's uncomfortable, it can cause challenges, but all of them are worth it. All of them are things that Christ calls us to. It's things that Paul gave us the example of. As we share in this blessing, what you get to see is a marriage healed, an addiction overcome a person finding their place in the church. It's an amazing thing to look around and say, I know your story. Some of you were addicts and the Lord saved you and now you're an intricate part of his body. Some of you were raised in the church and you just missed it and then finally the Holy Spirit showed himself in a way and it opened your eyes and and now you're radically his. You see, the beauty of this is that it's not a one-time thing. It's not a, hey, get you born again and then move on. It's, this is a lifelong venture we now go together in. And it's messy, yes. And you know, someone who's lived a whole life of sin and then they come to the church, they're still going to have things in their life that they need to work through. And guess what? So do we. We have a lot of things in our life. There's a process happening in me. There's a process happening to you that needs grace and peace and all of these things. And that's how we share in the blessing of the gospel. We share in it knowing that there's only one perfect, and that's Christ. He's the one that saved us. And we encourage each other to reach those that we have influence over. And so this morning, as we look at this chapter and we look at Paul, and and really this caused trouble because later we're going to see even those within the church didn't like him saying this. It was a challenge. It was not easy. If you think everyone's going to like you for sharing Jesus, just go to any party and start talking about Jesus and see what happens. Right? Start watching a football game and say, hey, let's talk about Jesus right now. And they'll say, hey, go home. (laughs) Right? People are not comfortable with this topic. Why? Because our souls are in tune, whether we're walking away, whether we're in the dark or we're in the light, all of our souls are in tune that there is no name on earth where we might be saved. This name is powerful. This name is the name above all names. And when you start talking about this, it can really stir some things up. That's why we need to be so intentional in how we do this in a loving and compassionate way. That I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind and now I see. I, I come to you as one who has been saved by grace, not by any of my works. I cannot boast. It is a gift of God. And I desire for you to have the very best. I desire you to have the very best. I I hear all my friends, all the people I have on social media, they always put best life now, right? I want my best life now. And I say, no, best life forever. Best life next. Not just best life now, best life now. What is that? How can you do that? that? How do you even judge that? I can judge best life next, heaven or hell. (laughs) It's pretty easy. Let's encourage those. To not be short-sighted. Let's not be short-sighted ourselves. Let's not have enemies 
And if they don't like you, let it be because you love them too much and you're willing to share the love with them as much as you can. So here's some things, questions to consider. Questions to consider. Do you really want to share your faith? Right? Because we could talk about, eh, that's for him. That's for Pastor Mike. Right? This is a personal question. Do you want to share your faith? Are you motivated? Are, do you have anything within you that says, yes, I need to be doing this? It's valuable, important. It's not just for somebody else. Now, are we all evangelists? Are we all going to stand on a stage and give? No. But you know what you have that no one else has? Your testimony. Your testimony, they may not like it, but they can't deny it. They can't say that didn't happen to you. Yes, it did happen to me. <laughs> it's my testimony. I'm not the judge. I'm not the lawyer. I am the witness. I'm the witness that I was lost and now I'm found. I was self-centered, now I'm Christ-centered. It's he who lives in me now. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Do you really want to do this? Next, are you concerned? Are you concerned about the lost people in your life? Is that heartache? Because we all have heartache about something, right? You have heartache. Let's be honest. You have heartache. If you're in school, it's about your grades. Uh, it, it could be your retirement. It could be your health. We all have heartache. We all have something in us that brings us stress and keeps us up sometimes. Do we have that for lost people? Do we have a burden that's within us for lost, for people that do not know Christ? Am I burdened for the world? Do I look at people when I'm at the store and driving by and think uh, nothing of them? Or do I think, where is their eternity? Do they know Christ? Are they filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Are they in the place of peace with God, or are they resisting his call on their life? Next, what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to sacrifice to share the gospel? And that's a key, because he calls us to sacrifice. He says, take up your cross and follow me. Uh, Jesus gives this whole list of being his disciple, and a lot of it is, look, I have to be number one, and you have to listen to what I tell you, and you can't argue with it or try to debate it. I'm not, uh, you know... Someone in your life where you can debate the answer. I am the Lord, and if I ask you to do it, I'm asking you to do it. And that means sometimes I call you to sacrifice. Is that relationship true in my life? Or Because only two can be Lord. Either Christ is Lord or I'm Lord of my life, right? Either Christ is Lord, I do everything he says, or Mike Bailey is Lord, and I do whatever makes me feel good. Those are my options. And so today... Um, am I willing to sacrifice what Mike Bailey wants or what you want if Christ says, this is what I want you to do? This is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to say. This is what I want you to give up so that you can do this. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is where uh, faith becomes action. This is where uh, what our talk becomes a doing of those words. And so am I willing to do that? What are you willing to sacrifice? What is not on the table? What are you saying, God, I won't do this if you ask me? And that's probably the thing he's going to ask you to do, so be careful. Next, are you faithfully living the life God has given you to live? Because here's the thing about the gospel. 
if I'm living by the flesh and I am cutting corners and doing all this stuff that doesn't reflect the holiness of God and I come to you and I say, hey, uh, give your life to Christ so that he, his character can be revealed through you, uh, that you can have his righteousness. Uh, do you see in my life that I, that I have these fruit of the Holy Spirit? If I'm not walking in the spirit, if I'm walking in the flesh, my testimony will be useless and it will actually be a hindrance. And I, I should be very careful to share my faith if I'm not living and walking in the Lord because when I share it, if someone watches me, they're going to say, how are you any different? How have you been set free? How are you living in victory? How are you living by the righteousness of God? And so he says, look, I, you know, you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to get it all figured out, but you're going to want to live a holy life. You're going to desire to walk with the Lord. You're going to allow him to search you and to try you to see if there's any wickedness within you that you can give to him and say, Father, I submit this unto your hands. R remove it from me and help me to live in the way you want me to live. So here's the question. What will you do? What will you do? See, this, this morning in churches all over the world and in this room right now, we've all been given a challenge. We've been given a task, right? I remember uh, the dad that went to his, his, his child. I won't say whether it's a son or daughter. He went to his child, and he said, I want you to clean your room. And they said, okay, I'll clean my room. Next day comes, the room's not clean. What's going on? I thought you were going to clean your I'll clean my room. Week later, nothing, zero has happened to clean the room. And, and the dad's getting a little upset, and he goes to the child. He says, I thought I told you to clean the room. And the child says, Father, you're such a great father. When you told me that, I went to my room and I wrote it down in three different languages. I wrote down, I need to clean my room. He said, clean my room. And then I went to my friend that's a, a musician, and I said, can you write some words to this song about my father telling me to clean my room? And we got together and we sang some songs about how you told me to clean my room. And then we took up an offering because we wanted to make sure everybody knew how important it was for me to clean my room. And you know, we've been studying this in groups about you telling me to clean my room. And the father looks at his child and says, you did all that, but you didn't clean your room. Do you recognize if we come to church and we sing these songs and we look into God's word, the whole point of that is to lead us to action, to do something. This is not the thing. This is the thing that leads us to the thing, right? This is what we're to do. If we don't do it, then we've wasted. This has been pointless. Why even do this? If we're not going to do it, why talk about it? Because guess what? Now we are accountable for this. You and I are accountable. I have to stand before God and say, hey, remember when I told you to do this stuff? Did you do it? No, I sang about doing it, and I heard about doing it, and I even prayed about doing it, but I never did it. It's the same. And I know, listen, we got to have love and grace for each other. Whatever's in the past is frozen. We can't change that. But we can look to the future and say, what am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to do the rest of this day? What am I going to do the rest of this month? When the Lord tells me to go, I'm going to go. When he says do, I'm going to do. Because I'm beginning to recognize, recognize that the things of this world are fading away and there's only one thing that really matters. My walk with the Lord. Knowing Christ as my Savior and then sharing that with others. And so this morning, I just have three applications. I think this can be really helpful for us. One, 
You can do nothing without God. If you don't realize that yet, none of my, whatever I said doesn't matter at all. If you think you can accomplish some things in this life without God, you're wrong. All of it is as filthy rags. All of it is as dust that would be burned away. I don't care if you become president and you're the superstar athlete and you're a rock star. All of that stuff will mean nothing a hundred years from now, a million years from now. It'll absolutely be forgotten and blown away and will be nothing. I don't care what you do. I don't care how successful you are in your business, how much money you have, how much stuff you have. All of that stuff is nothing in comparison. And in a second, God can do something in a second you couldn't do in a lifetime with you and through you. So first, if we recognize I can do nothing without God, and secondly, God will do nothing without me. He has made me to do the thing that he created me to do. Does it make sense? He's saying, look, that person I put you here for. And if you don't do it, I don't have another person to go to that person. Because my created purpose was for you to go to that person. And you have to do that thing. And that's why it's so important within a church as, as we are. The church is not the building. It's not a name. It's a group of people committed to the gospel and to making disciples. And if you don't do the thing that God put you here to do, you will be missed. And we will not be what we can be. And we will not be as healthy as we should be. Every single one of us that know Christ as our Savior has been given a, a purpose to this body to participate and to be active and, and whatever that looks like. And if you don't do it, God's not going to do it. The thing he wants you to do. It's up to you. And so that puts a lot of weight on us, doesn't it? It seems like a lot of weight, but it's not. Because here's the thing. What we really need to do is ask God for wisdom and strength. Just say, God, I can't. This seems big. How am I going to talk to someone about the? I don't know the Bible backwards and forwards. What if they have tough questions? What if they look at my life and say, ah, oh, look what you do. God, I need your wisdom and I need your strength. Do I need to confess some sin? Do I need to commit? Do I need to look at my schedule and maybe reevaluate that? Do I need to look at how I'm living my life and, and submit it to you? What is it that, I, uh, that you want of me that I can live within your truth today? You see, the beauty of it is, is, is God saying, I will do it through you. I will do it with you. I just need you to ask and to want, right? Are you willing today? you have a want to? Do you want your life when all those days, the birth and the death and the dash, what do you want that dash to be? What do you want it to be? Faithful or selfish? Right? Because there's only two ways that dash can be interpreted. And the only, I believe the only way that we can have a faithful life is by asking and seeking God and saying, you do the work. You reveal to me. Your Holy Spirit is going to have to speak through me. Your Holy Spirit's going to have to guide me. You're going to have to give me supernatural wisdom and understanding. You're going to have to give me supernatural grace that what used to make me angry doesn't make me angry anymore. What used to frustrate me doesn't frustrate me because your kingdom is coming and I want your will to be done. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we are to represent the gospel and to share it in both deed, action, and word. So what is God telling you? 